Well, welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations with Mike Sadden. Uh, on Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview interview uh, men's leaders in men's ministry to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach men in today's culture, discussing issues men face every day. This is a program where a men's leader, men's marriage leader, interviews leaders in men's marriage, and I'm your host, Mike Sandlin. Thank you for joining us today. Remember when you were growing up and someone was teaching you how to do something, or maybe you were trained to do a particular task at work? and you were having a difficult time, the person who was reaching you, uh, teaching you, you may have been a little frustrated with you uh, and, and it would say in an annoying voice, they say, this is not rocket science. Well, the authors of the book, No Man Left Behind, confirmed that ministry to men is rocket science. And today my guest is the National Field Staff Chaplain of Man in the Mirror, Ron Reed. And we will be discussing how uh, or is men's ministry rocket science, and how do we work through that 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 concept of me, me, reaching men and ministering to men? Rod has been with Man in the Mirror for nearly eight years, serving as a as a Chicago land area director, then a then a uh, central states regional director, and now he's he has that position of the national field staff chaplain. His goal is to challenge every uh, believer in developing a biblical worldview and to bring out the best in every. Christian, that we might reveal the reality of Christ in all we do. And Ron is the author of two books, The Church, The Only Army That Shoots Its Wounded, and a novel called Blood Reflections. Ron and his wife, Janie, have five children and 17 grandchildren. Wow, man, yeah. <laughs> you've been busy. Yeah. And Ron's passion is, of course, in church health, and his best, pl and his best place to discuss it is on the golf course. And, uh, you must be a scratch golfer, Ron. Good. Oh, I wish. I would uh, help <laughs> a lot, but that's a scratch out numbers. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad to have you. Uh, glad to have you on the program, man. It, it's great that you took uh, took some time to uh, your busy schedule to join me today. Uh, I greatly appreciate the opportunity, Mike. Let me ask you. I always ask my guests a couple of questions, especially uh, anybody that's in men's ministry. But one of the things I'd like to ask you is, what is that one? verse that may be speaking into your life right now, or well, maybe a verse that's been, that you uh, claim as a life verse or a favorite verse, and uh, that that you just like to hold on to as you look at in ministry, and why is that verse so special to you? Yeah, um, well, obviously, uh, there's, there's a lot. Um, I just heard the very first verse I ever memorized, along with my wife, was Ecclesiastes uh, 4 that says two are better than one, they have a good return for the labor. And then we also memorized uh, Lamentations 3 that it is because of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. Uh, his compassions fail not, they're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. But I think my, my life's verse uh, is one that I've got taped on my wall right here in front of me. We uh, Colossians 1, 28 and 29, we proclaim him. That's something I've been doing for the last 43 years as a, as a pastor, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. And then the key phrase in there, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. And the thing that I focus on, and I've really been focusing on a lot lately, uh, is that so that, you know, Paul said it earlier in Colossians chapter 1, uh, so that you know, we would have the strength and the patience. And Jesus himself in John 14, 15, and 16, his uh, upper room discourse, uh, 
probably used the phrase so that uh, seven or eight times. And it, it shows, and this verse that I've claimed shows, there better be a purpose in what we're doing. Uh, we, if we're just preaching, it's probably for our own glory. But if we're doing it so that we may present every man uh, perfect in Christ, and that that, that key phrase, that uh, Greek word henna, that in order that or that so that is what drives us to do what we do, mm. or it better. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing that. That's uh, that, that that is something that we need to be uh, all about in, in ministering to uh, to to the people that we correct and. and you know, the interesting thing is, is that we continue on with that, is that what Paul told Timothy uh, in 2 Timothy 2, 2, about that you have heard from me in the presence of many ways, trusted to faithful men right. who will be able to teach others also. And that's one of the things that we need to be able to do is is, is to to be able to grow in our own, own walk with Christ so we can entrust it to other men that we come across. Well, let me ask you this, Ron. I uh, appreciate you sharing that scripture. What got you into ministry? I know you have a pastoral background, uh, a strong theological background, obviously. But uh, uh, what possessed you to get into focusing on ministering to men? Well, you asked that question. I've asked that several times. What possessed me? To do? <laughs> <laughs> men, men are a unique breed, uh, as we know, to, to minister to. Mm -hmm. uh, I've often joked, as I've uh, done training with men's leadership teams, you know, if you want a women's ministry, buy a doily, a candle, some uh, potpourri, and uh, a Bible study, and you've got a women's ministry. Absolutely. But, That's um, right. Uh, you know, men's ministry is entirely different. Uh, it's, you know, we, our, our uh, no man left behind mantra is the create value, capture momentum, sustain change. Right. Creating that value, helping men to see what they, you know, giving them what they want because we know what they need. And finding that niche, finding that value. Uh, finding that time uh, in their lives to where we were able to reach them. But you asked the question, how did I get into it? Uh, yeah, exactly. 43 years ago, um, two weeks on Father's Day was my first Sunday in the pulpit as a, as a full-time pastor. I was the youngest dad, you know, at that point they gave out the oldest dad, <laughs> youngest dad, all those awards. Uh, you know, we've gotten politically correct since then. We can't really do all that stuff. But uh, I was the youngest dad. I had a two-year-old daughter, and I had another uh, baby that would end up being a son on the way uh, within about three weeks after that. But um, I'm standing there as a pastor, having spent um, one year in Bible college. My first three years, I was not a Christian. I accepted Christ my junior year of college. And so I went to Liberty University at that point, Lynchburg Baptist College, and uh, you know, went to that one year of Bible college. Then they hired me as the assistant baseball coach on the condition that I go to seminary. So I went through my first two years of seminary just because I got to coach baseball. So I finally took my last year of seminary with some seriousness because I, I had pastored a church that summer and realized this was my calling. So I got into, into church work 43 years ago, Father's Day, but um, I knew nothing. I literally knew, knew nothing. But the one thing I did know was as I walked into that church, was that as goes the man, so goes the church. And that particular church was about 20% men, 80% women, and uh, a lot of much older women. Well, they loved having this 24-year-old pastor until I started uh, preaching some of what I was preaching. But um, it started winning some men. And I started purposely focused on winning men 
to come to church. And so we started doing different things. Um, my second church, I was at that church for 10 years. My second, by the time, by the way, when I left, we were running about 50% men. Wow. So, uh, we, we did see a lot of men. Uh, I baptized an awful lot of men during that 10 years. And we had a lot of young dads because I was a young dad. We had a lot of young dads that started attending and we purposely reached out to them. Uh, your, your program title of intentionality. Uh, you know, we had that intentionality. We were going to reach young dads. Uh, so we did a lot of marriage classes, a lot of uh, uh, parenting classes, and a lot of just how to be a man. I didn't know how to be a man at that point. I didn't know, you know, at that point, if you went, if you could find a Christian bookstore and you went to the shelves looking for men's ministry, you saw two books. You saw A Measure of a Man by Gene Getz mm -hmm. and you saw Man in the Mirror by Pat Morley. Mm -hmm. uh, we went through both of them uh, in that men's ministry. But it really was more of a typical men's ministry with the pancake breakfast, the speaker. And, um, you know, we didn't really have small groups. We just uh, got together and did stuff, played softball and did stuff. Uh, but we did reach a lot of men. And I'm still close to a lot of those men because uh, I led them to Christ and did the best job I could of discipling them. Then I went to the, my next church. We were there for seven years, about 30 percent men. Uh, when we left again, about 50% men because of that that focus. And I, I guess the, the the challenge that that I've had is as goes the man, so goes the church. My my last pastor out in Tacoma, Washington, when I arrived, uh, seven men had just gotten back. That Sunday that I was there was their Sunday back from one of the very first Promise Keepers event. They were turned on. They were just passionate. So we, but they didn't have any next steps. So we purposely focused on what do we do next? And that intentionality again of how do we grow those men led to what was my, my first real understanding of men's ministry. And actually I'm gonna back that up. First understanding of ministry to men. Uh, mm -hmm. that it wasn't just the men's ministry that was the program. Well, that's it, actually a difference, if you don't mind me interrupting. That is a difference there between men's ministry and ministering to men. There's a huge yeah. difference there. Yeah, and and we we began to see that, uh, that, that the ministry to all men, every man in our church. And so that involved our, our second key component. We needed to know our players. Uh, first one being intentionality. Second one, we needed to know who, who were our men. And, you know, I, I'm very thankful for the No Man Left Behind, the, the five types of men. Yep. Uh, Coach K used to put them in the five chairs. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you did. Uh, you did. So we, we had the five types of men. I didn't even know about them, but I understood we needed to identify our men who didn't know Christ. We needed to identify our men who were just wearing the uniform but not necessarily wanting to play the game. So uh, that, that shaped into my, my fourth church, my last church in Chicagoland, we went with men's fraternity and we had 211 men go through that first year of men's fraternity. And it just, it was radical transformation of a ministry to men. Those men uh, understood their role. They understood stop being, stop playing the part of the little boy and be the man. And they, they began to understand what steps do we take to do that? Mm -hmm. So that's how I got into ministry to men or men's ministry was um, somewhat by accident of realizing I'm the only guy here and we need to have more men. And then the understanding that this is what's going to happen to, to truly change the church and change the family and change the community was uh, 
to, to reach men. Well, that's interesting. And that's good. So God just kind of gradually moved you into that position as you as you process through your churches and your ministry and you saw what it was, what kind of an effect it was having uh, on your churches as you got these men more involved. And, and you know, one of the things that I, I've kind of questioned, and I'm actually pondering it as a possible uh, book, so to speak, if you remember... Um, uh, I know you were well aware of David Morrow's book that he wrote about 14 yeah. years ago about why do men hate going to church? Yeah. And I have to, and, and I was thinking about that the other day, and I had to ask this question to myself as I was kind of reminiscing about that book and thinking about some of the stuff he said in there is why do our churches ignore our men? Mm. So, you know, and I, and, and I'm not saying that they deliberately do, but I think a lot of times is they just don't know how to how to reach out and, and connect with their men. What do you think about that? Well, I think that you 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 said it there that they just don't know how. Yeah. Uh, well, again, we it's 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 very easy. Well, as easy as church work gets yeah. to to have ch youth ministry, children's ministry, worship ministry, women's ministry. All of those things are just they're just natural because there's a hunger, a desire. A, a crying need that is very visible and, and very just much in the face of the pastor. He knows all these have to happen. But men's ministry, even if he knows it has to happen, it's very difficult to get it to happen. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm going to point out one of the other things that um, pastors face constantly, and that is uh, what, what we call the, the discombobulated blob. Uh, or, or the you know it's it's the uh, all the different ministries. It's on one sheet of paper that we give out at the No Man Left Behind. It's all the different ministries that take place in a church. Yep. And I can remember numerous elders meetings, deacons meetings, where we'd talk about all the things we were doing as a church. We have all these ministries, all these programs, all these events, and uh, you know inevitably somebody would say we need to drop some of these. And I would always tongue in cheek say, okay, let's drop women's ministries. Who's going to tell them? <laughs> you know, uh, I get that reaction. We all knew we're not going to do that. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> no, it ain't going to happen. What we didn't have, what I didn't have, was that um, all, there are methods and then there are outcomes, and the ultimate outcome is are we making disciples? Right. So this discombobulated blob, uh, you know, we, we now look at that with a team and we say, what are the what are the methods? What are your outcomes? And if you're not getting the outcome, then why do you keep doing that? Or how can you change that method, uh, that ministry, to get the desired outcome of making disciples? Mm, interesting. And that's uh, again, that's something that um, without you know just doing the day to day, the day to day work. You know, Sundays come with an amazing regularity for a pastor. Yeah. And yeah. doing that daily work and even having staff do that daily work, um, sometimes we forget wh where are we focused on our outcomes and what are the real outcomes that we're getting? And are we changing men? Are we seeing men become that man of God? So because all these other things kind of go, uh, they just kind of go uh, without us having to really push them. Uh, it's it's easy to forget this is one we we have to push we have to work at we have to have a a process a system a plan and I think that's one of the main lacks in most ministry to men or men's ministries is there's really not a process 
There's just, this is how we've always done it. Right. Uh, or, or even worse, this works uh, in the sense that it's going and going and going, but we don't look at it, what is it producing. Mm-hmm. I, I hadn't planned on this, but I'll, I'll share this, that uh, back when I was pastoring in Washington State, my wife called me up one day. She was at a garage sale. She goes, you've you got to get down here and see this thing. You're going to want it. Well, there's very little at a garage sale that I want, but I, <laughs> I got in the car, drove down to where she was at, and that was back when Boeing was was in Seattle, and there was a, a Boeing engineer that had built in his spare time a perpetual motion machine. It was made out of coat ha- wire coat hangers. It stood about five feet tall, about five feet long, and about two and a half feet wide. And it had this arm that constantly went, and it would grab a ball and drop it down onto a, a channel. Each size ball, there were about six or seven different size balls, had a different channel. And each channel had different things in it. One had a birdcage that the feathers blew out and came back in as soon as the ball went through it. Another one had a xylophone and had all these things on it. And it was just constantly, you know, ringing, whistling, doing all this stuff. So I bought it. I actually, he wanted, ten, or his wife wanted $10 for it. And I got her down to seven. I bought this thing and I would started taking it to churches when I would talk. Uh, I was the president of our uh, ministerial or of our uh, Baptist association there. Right. And so when we'd go into churches, I'd bring this thing and I'd, I'd set it up, get it going. And kids loved it, but men would come up and they would look at this thing like, wow, look at this. Mm-hmm. And I'd let it run for about three or four minutes. And then I'd say, okay, this is fascinating. What does it do? What is it actually doing? Nothing. It's fascinating to look at, but it's not really accomplishing anything. And I would say, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the church of today. We're yeah. fascinating to look at, but are we really doing anything? And yeah. sadly, most churches don't have that that, that intentionality, those mo- uh, the, that system, that plan, that process, and they don't know their players. So as a result, we just keep doing what we've always done. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And what's the definition of insanity? <laughs> 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 but but uh, not to say our churches are insane. But oh yes, no, I, who would ever say that? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you mentioned something earlier. I think we probably need to touch on a little bit for our listening and viewing audiences that don't um, that's never read uh, the No Man Left Behind book or never heard anything from Man in the Mirror as far as ministry. But you made the comment about uh, the five types of men. Yeah, and and. A lot of us, uh, a lot of people don't realize there are five types of men in every church. Yes, uh, share that a little bit. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's it's really kind of the, the bread and butter of a first step for a men's leadership team. Mm-hmm. Know your players. Yep. So the first the first guy is the natural man, or he could be identified as the, the man who needs Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wakes up in the morning, and it's all about him. What am I going to do today? And the Bible says of him that the natural man cannot comprehend the things of the spirit. Literally, it says they are moronic to him. He just, Mm -hmm. he cannot get, why do, why do you want to pray? Why do you want to go to church? And and what's this singing all about? I was actually playing golf with a guy one time and he, he leaned on his, on his driver and he goes, I'm not taking a shower. Why would I want to sing? (laughs) I actually preached a message uh, titled that I'm not taking a shower. Why do I sing? You know, why, what's worship all about? If you don't know the one you're singing about, why sing? 
And so the natural man, you know, again, it's all about him. Uh, if we were to picture the old crew or campus crusade uh, spiritual life, this is the circle and the cross is outside of the circle. And me, myself, is on the throne. That's the natural man. Right. Uh, sadly, most churches say we want to reach that guy. And especially as a ministry to men, we want to get that guy. But we don't, we don't plan or have a process for reaching that guy. We don't create value in his life. We don't identify that what are his uh, felt needs of buddies, of, uh, of making more money. You know, that we're, we're looking down the road at a, at a Dave Ramsey, and he's going, hey, I just want to make money. So yeah. it, it's a, uh, learning what is his mindset, how does he think. And sometimes one of the best things a men's leadership team can do, surprisingly, is put one of those guys on your leadership team so that you get what is he how does he feel about our pancake breakfast how does he feel about our retreat you're not going to get that guy to come to a retreat he doesn't know these guys he likes his own bed he likes his comfort and so now to say we're going to have this retreat with this great speaker you're not going to first of all he never heard the announcement about the retreat because he's right. not in church and secondly if he did hear about it yeah, that I'm not going to that thing so that's the, the first man and again, he is probably, yeah, the, the pastor would say, well, he's not in my church anyway. Yeah, he is because oh, his no, wife comes, his kids come, his dad got buried at your church seven years ago. That's his church. If ever anybody ever asked him to go to church, you know, he's going to give the answer that everybody wants to hear. A lot, uh, of, yeah, yeah, a lot of those guys, a lot of those guys are there just to keep peace in the family, so to speak. Exactly. Well, that's kind of this, our second guy, the, the, this first guy. You probably only see him Christmas, Easter, maybe on Mother's Day because yeah. his wife drug him to church. Yeah. The second guy is the cultural Christian, mm -hmm. and that's the guy that comes to keep the peace. Mm -hmm. He has, um, he knows about God. Maybe he's even invited Christ into his life, uh, but but he's just there. Uh, he is again back to that circle. Uh, he's still on the throne, but Christ is introduced inside of that circle. He, he knows enough about Christ to know, yeah, I need to get saved. I, my fire insurance from hell. But this is the kind of guy you can easily identify during worship service. He's this guy. Yep. He's, he's just, yep. you know, he's looking around. He, he's not singing the songs because he doesn't really know the, the Savior. He doesn't really know that change in his life. So again, this is the cultural Christian. He identifies as a Christian, but it's only because it's the culturally acceptable thing to do. So he wakes up in the morning saying, okay, God, what are you gonna do for me today? And, and that's his driving force is uh, God is his vending machine or his spare tire that helps him out of critical situations. The third kind of guy is the biblical Christian. And this is the guy who not only has invited Christ into his life, he wants to grow. He's, he's the man who does attend the Bible studies, who does come to Sunday school, who comes to church and, and is wanting to learn and to grow. Here's the one thing about him. He doesn't look down the row at those other two guys. He's just looking at, God, what can I do for you today? And, and his, he has a hunger. He has a growth. And he's probably the majority of men in our men's, our, our men's ministry, not in our ministry to men. That's a broad, much broader but in our men's ministry, this is the guy who shows up. Right. He's going to be at your retreat. He's going to be at your uh, pancake breakfast. He's going to be there. Uh, you know, and, and sadly, we design most of our stuff for that guy with these other two guys kind of in our 
thoughts and prayers, but not in our plans and our actions. The fourth guy is the leadership Christian, the, the servant leadership. And he's the man who does look down that, that road. And he says, God, what can I do for you and for others? So he, that's his thought when he wakes up in the morning. And he is constantly looking at what can we be doing to reach men? What can we be doing to, to change you know, that, that guy? He could probably tell you the four or five guys in his immediate circle where they stand on, you know, on that five types of men and how can we reach them. He's, he's there. He's thinking about it. That's probably only about 5% of the men in your church. But most church leadership teams are made up of those five, and they need to be driven and, and, and helped. How can we be more effective? Now, the fifth guy overarches all of those previous four. He is the hurting man. Yep. And that's a lot of men in our church. Oh, They're yeah. hurting because of uh, financial situations, health situations, marital or other relationship situations, children, uh, yep. family. They're hurting. And so as a result, you know, again, it could be that first guy as, as a result of his hurt. You know, let's say he got served divorce papers on Thursday afternoon. Where's he going to be Sunday morning? And when he, as Pat always says, when he reaches for that door on Sunday morning, he's scared to death. He has no idea what to face in there. And when he opens it, we as a church and as men ministry to men need to make sure we've got some man there that can identify that guy reach out to him, encourage him, be there for him. Oh, yeah. uh, or it could be the leadership guy oh, yeah. that just got oh, yeah. diagnosed with cancer. His need is entirely different than it was last week when he thought everything was good. How do we minister to him? So the hurting man is you know, broad ranged, but it's he's that guy that we've got to make sure that we are um, prepared to reach out to and, and minister to in their, in their hurt. Yeah, yeah, great. I appreciate that's a good explanation of all of those, and and I appreciate you sharing that. You know, one of the things that really got me uh, when I began in men's ministry uh, many moons ago was was the fact that I was sitting in church one time, and uh, as I was recovering from some medical procedures and and uh, some health issues that was going on in my life, and I began to understand that many of our men in our churches are there what I call just because they're yeah. there just because whatever reason you want, you want to put in there, they're there because it's what I'm supposed to do on Sunday mornings. Yeah. This is the way I was raised. It's to keep peace in the family. It looks good from a business standpoint, from a community standpoint. And it's not because of their deep inner intentional love that they may have for the father and Jesus Christ, but it's because they're looking for something for themselves to make sure everything's okay. And that's what God really pressed upon me, the need of getting into. But there's just as much work to do in the church for men as there is outside the church for men. And we we need to do that. One of the things I have shared uh, when I talk to uh, leadership teams or leaders or men is when they do events, is to understand uh, whatever event they may be doing, is to understand they will have men, even if they've been in their church for 10 years, who may not have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that they need to develop in that event, whatever it may be, whether it's a Saturday morning breakfast, a golf outing, uh, a tailgate party, whatever it may be, 
is to present the gospel. You know, it don't have to be a long drawn out summer. And then it could be a tract. They make sure they hand out there, but present the gospel because there's always, when you have a large group of guys that you're going to have that one guy that doesn't know Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, no matter how it is, because, and, and I was impressed upon that when I was actually at a no man left behind uh, training event in Spartanburg, South Carolina with coach K I don't know, some six, seven years ago, and he asked me if I'd come up there and kind of be one of the table leaders. And 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 I met a man that he wanted me to meet uh, coming into town to show him where to go. And I had lunch with him, and he told me about his wife. And he was it was a, he was talking about his wife, but it could transfer over to a man. But the fact that he married this woman, he said, if anybody's going to heaven, it's this woman right here because of the fact that she knows her scripture. She can play any instrument up there on that stage and on and on and on. And then just to make a long story short, he said after 10 years in their marriage, he, she, she woke him up one night in tears saying, I know I need Christ. I've never truly accepted Christ in my life. And that, uh, and that even when they went through that process, he could even see a change in her life because of that. So that just kind of reiterated the fact there's many men in our churches who we think know Christ, but they don't. Right. And we need to be able to touch and touch those guys too. Right. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. something that I've, uh, uh, you know, as, as a pastor, uh, I love to do weddings and funerals mm-hmm. because in both of them, you've got people who never darken the door of a church except for this event. And they're both of them, and especially a funeral, ready-made to to give the gospel and to share that that this this grave is not the end. And oh, yeah. uh, you know how can how can we make sure that we are prepared for what is the end and or what is the next step of knowing of knowing Christ? Hmm. Well, Ron, way, as, you're, as you're talking about events, uh, that's one of the things that. And maybe I'm jumping ahead with your question. That's one of the things that I so appreciate about Man in the Mirror is our um, uh, create value, capture momentum right at the event, and then sustain change. Because that's something that I've seen in, in so many tremendous events over the years, tremendous things. We didn't have a purposeful plan for capturing the momentum and getting that guy in that relationship with other men in that small group. And so, uh, you know, to see that happening, you know, with every one of our events that we that we do, that ready-made, built-in, six-week life plan uh, is just so vital to get men, maybe even uh, that they, they were sparked to think about their relationship with Christ. Now, for the next six weeks, it becomes a real challenge, an invitation, and uh, we see so many men who make that step of faith because of that capturing momentum step. Oh, yeah. uh, That's one of the things I encourage, too, is anytime you have an event, be sure you plan the next right step for your men. Make sure that there's something. Even if it's only one man takes that step, you've been successful when you've done that. Never have an event without something for them to step into coming out of that event. And that's good stuff. Well, um, Ron, we got about 15 minutes left in our broadcast. We talked about a lot of stuff, and <laughs> and I know we got uh, we could continue talking for a long time. But I want you to share a little bit about what church, how they can come in as a consultant, uh, materials they may provide, be able to provide. What can Man in the Mirror do for my local church if yeah. I invite you to come in, an area director to come in? 
Well, one of the very first things that we can do is that we, uh, you know, our our, uh, our our mission statement says it's threefold: that we serve pastors, uh, train leaders, transform men, and that serving pastors is that um, you know a lot of a lot of men's ministries become a almost a burden to a pastor because they they take men away from the church. You know, one of the worst things that men's ministries can do is to do this retreat that takes them away from church on a Sunday morning. Uh, I speak as a pastor there. Uh, they they don't communicate what they're doing. So we we urge and encourage and challenge and teach how do you serve your pastor uh, as a men's leadership team. But what we what we basically offer you you use the word consulting. We are we're not going to come in and do your discipleship. We're going to mm-hmm. consult with your leadership team, uh, you know, and be that guy that that we we don't just bring in men's ministry or I'm sorry, man in the mirror resources. We've got a ton of resources. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my statement a while ago of it used to be uh, Gene Getz's book and Pat Morley's. Well, Pat has about thirty books, I think, and <laughs> there are so many other resources yeah. that that man in the mirror provides. But we're we're not salesmen. We are resource providers. So we may recommend men's fraternity. We may recommend uh, Iron Sharpens Iron that's scrolling across the bottom of the screen right now. Uh, you know, it's all those different things that are, that are designed and here to help effectively disciple men. So our area directors know all of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're the experts in ministry to men. So we, we first of all bring that, that expertise uh, secondly, we bring in, uh, I've used this phrase several times already today, we bring in a, a proven process, a model that, uh, that is effective. Uh, Pat's doctorate, they did research on the model, the no man left behind model and uh, the, the effectiveness of it. And that's where we get our uh, churches that, that implement the no man left behind model, that actually understand the uh, you know what the three platform steps are, what the conveyor belt, what the raw material of the undiscipled man, the the uh, final product of the discipled man, the driving engine of the create, capture, sustain. When they get that and they implement that in a two and a half year period, they see a forty eight percent increase in the number of men attending their church. You know, and this again is uh, research driven an 84% increase in the number of men in a discipleship process. What pastor would not want to see a 48% increase in the number of men attending his church and 84 in discipleship? So we bring that proven model, and then we we work with the leadership team to, first of all, understand it, you know, learn it and understand it, and then secondly, implement it. We, you know, we don't want to just come in and, hey, we, we blasted you away with our great knowledge, now we're out the door. Our area directors actually work with a church. Uh, you know, we first of all we help build that leadership team. If it's not there, uh, if it is there, we help uh, again have that intentionality, that uh, on ramps, and that know your players. And then uh, we'll work through that team to where they are, where they get a win. We want them to understand what a win looks like and how do you get that win. So we may come in and do a, one of our seminars. We have five or six seminars that we do. And those seminars have that built-in uh, next step, so we we can help a church put on that um, effective and exciting but effective event 
and we'll help them actually do the, that next steps until they feel a confidence level. The leadership team feels a confidence level that they are now experiencing those results, that 4884 result. Hmm. Wow. And, and it, it is, I mean, it is a tremendous thing. I would, I t- uh, if you've not read, for our listening audience out there, if you've not read the No Man Left Behind book that uh, was authored by Pat Morley, Brett Clemmer, and David Delk. I would highly recommend you getting that book because it really shares a lot of valid information that Ron is just sharing with you and also about uh, how to put that leadership to game and what that leadership structure looks like and just a yeah. lot of good good resource information. And, and I do, do appreciate that. As a matter of fact, Mike, I don't know if you remember, the first time we met, was in uh, it was outside of Myrtle Beach at a at a No Man Left Behind seminar that David Delk taught. I yep. had just been hired as the yep. area director for Chicago, and and one of the requirements was to attend a No Man Left Behind. Right. I had never been to one. I had not read the book, and I walked into that seminar, uh, you know, completely ignorant. But I walked <laughs> out slightly less ignorant, but w- w- with a wow, wow, yep. this is what I'm going to get to do now. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to help churches. Mm-hmm. David let me, and again, it was a let, uh, work with a couple of tables during that seminar and to sit and listen to men getting it mm-hmm. and, and so to watch their level of enthusiasm go from, yeah, another seminar to, whoa, this is going to help us. Uh, I, I was pumped. I was ready to go back to my church that I had just resigned from to take this position and say, hey, you guys, uh, you know, take me back and let me get this thing going, uh, which, you know, fortunately, they, they took me back as the consultant and we did get it going in that church. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's just a transformational, and that's what we talk about, our third purpose, transforming men. It's a transformational process that helps a leadership team actually know what we're doing when we meet, why we're doing it, and how to do it effectively. Amen. Yeah, and I think that was like my third or fourth one I've been to. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm gonna tell you something. It's uh, every time I go to one, um, uh, I, I pick up something new. You know, yeah. I pick up something new from it. It's it's just unbelievable, and uh, what you can get out of those uh, no man left behind uh, seminars. And I know they've changed up just a little bit over the last well, couple I, of years. I should. I would be remiss if I didn't say that our, we we now do them as a simulcast. Yeah. So any church anywhere can either be a simulcast host or can go to one in their area. And our next one is in August, August the 27th, I believe. Uh, the la- latest deadline to sign up is like the third week of July to sign up as a host church. But you can contact, if you're listening to this, you can contact your area director or home office and uh, you know be a host church or find out what church in your area is hosting No Man Left Behind. Um, well, don't you still do them live? Don't you still do? Um, well, COVID kind of killed the live for the time being. I imagine right. we'll pick it back up as live. And and area directors and myself as well can come in and do a a, a vision flyover. We can you know help a church uh, individually understand these concepts and get it. They can get the book. They can get the courseware. Uh, it's on the website. There's all sorts of ways that they can get a hold of uh, a leadership team can get a hold of no men left behind. Shoot me an email and I'll be glad to talk with uh, them. If you don't mind, I do have your email up here uh, that yep. I'll throw up there for everybody to see. 
And uh, uh, the old one change, Mike. Uh, okay. It's two ends. It's two two ends. All right. Yeah. So it's R O N N. Yes, is is the way it is, and uh, so we'll uh, we'll we'll get that out there. But yeah, That'd be, very be sure be sure that you um, reach out to Ron, and I'm sure Ron will be able to minister to you in, in any way he can and sharing you that that uh, uh, information. Ron, I do appreciate that. We've got a few minutes here left. Um, we're coming up on our time, so to speak, and and I do want to give you an opportunity to do something. I want you to take what we have just talked about. Uh, overall, we've talked about a lot of stuff, and you and I uh, have such a passion for reaching our men and our local community and around our, our area. Uh, we could talk about this for two or three hours and, yeah, and and not even broach most of what we probably, at least what you know, anyway. And uh, uh, But I want you to take the next couple of minutes, if you would, and just kind of Sum everything up, and what do you think of men? We didn't even get into talking about the culture of men in today's world. Yeah. That's a whole yeah. new. Maybe I can have you on sometime in, in the future, and we can discuss that a little bit more. How how we can break that? But I just want to give you a few minutes just to just to uh, share your thoughts about ministry men. Why it is so important for our churches, and and as a pastor yourself, why. Pastors don't need to be so scared about letting men lead their men. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, one of the things, even just talking about the culture of men, men are hurting. You know, when we talk about the hurting man, men are hurting. They, uh, you know, <laughs> we're going to see one of the lowest attended men's Sundays ever in two weeks, and that's Father's Day. Why? We don't want to come to Father's Day and get beat up about what a bad job we're, we have done or are doing. And so I would encourage pastors, don't don't preach a, a you know, beat them up Father's Day message, but encourage men that there are answers that we're, we're yeah, we may have failed. We may have made mistakes, but uh, there there are answers. There's a way to to correct that. So, you know, if, if a if a pastor uh, could could remember you know even his own relationship with his dad or relationship with other men uh, and and realize that that's something that is just lacking today that that's what his men are are hungering for uh, they may not know it you know we, we may we we can so fill our lives up with a junk food diet that we don't realize that we really need this protein we really need these this this nutrition so we may not be able to identify what it is we need until we actually taste it and see the Lord is good, and so is discipleship, uh, so our relationship. Uh, again, I think that was the the secret sauce of Promise Keepers was they got it. They understood men really want to be men. They want to be challenged to be men. They want to have a place where they can be men. And so, you know, that, that doesn't mean we're going to be, you know, screaming out in the woods and doing all that stuff. Uh, it just means that we understand, hey, we have a role to play here. It is a leadership role. It's a biblical leadership role. It's a loving leadership role, but we've got a role to play here. So if if we can get um, churches to understand their role in reaching out to men to, so that men understand their role and understand what discipleship really looks like, what you know, uh, as you read my bio, and you you said that my my passion is to help men develop a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. Barna's research just recently came out and showed that less than six percent of Americans 
have a biblical worldview. That's wow. that's the entire population. You probably could divide that in you know less than half to say three percent, two percent of men in our culture today have a biblical. Now, what does that mean? That means that when they're when they're seeing um, a pandemic, are they interpreting it? I'm going to throw hold up two things. Are they interpreting it through the the cell phone, the news, the ma- mass media? Are they interpreting it through the scripture? Thus saith the Lord. Less than three percent of men in America today are probably interpreting what's happening in their lives, their job, their family, their uh, you know their their past, uh, let alone their future. What's going on in in COVID? What's going on with you know all the different things we hear about? Less than three percent are using the Bible as their filter, their worldview for how to change life. That breaks my heart. It ought to break the heart of, of pastors, of, of men's leaders, to think that we've got so many men who, when they're going through their marriage problems, because it's it's two people that are supposed to be coming together, but often are button heads. If they're interpreting their problems through the world culture, as Pat gave last week, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, if that's their filter, and that's most men's filter, they're going to fail in that marriage. That marriage is going to end in divorce. And, and there's going to be uh, you know, a million children every night going through uh, that, that, that divorce situation. Or a million, what is it? There's 17 million under the age of 18 who are being raised in their home without their natural father. Yeah. You, you talked about a book earlier. I've uh, started a book and started and stopped it several times, but it's about children, you know, I grew up in a in a single family, uh, just my mom. My dad had died when I was five months old, so I grew up in a single parent home. My wife grew up in a single parent home because of a divorce situation, and we see again seventeen million children grow up in that single parent home. What are we doing to bring in a "Thus saith the Lord" in that situation? That's that's my heart's cry. That's my burden. How can we help churches? build that ministry to the point that they are seeing there's something more than just pancakes on once a month on a Saturday morning. There's something more that we can be doing and we must be doing it with discipleship changes everything. So we got to disciple our men. Yeah, man. And I just threw up the man in the mirror uh, website for those of you who are watching this live and uh, uh, reach out to man in the mirror.org and you can gather more information on that. And of course you can reach out to Ron at Ron Reed at man in the man in the mirror.organization too, if you're interested in more stuff. And I will throw this one thing more in there and that is the books by the box.org. There's a ton of it. Cause I, I, we don't have much time for me to share this, but I'm going to tell you something. That's a great opportunity for you to buy a pile of books yeah. that you can give out to every man that walked on your campus on Father's Day. Do not. Our mentor, my mentor, and I think it was Ron's mentor, too, used to tell us, do not forfeit Father's Day. Right. Use Father's Day as a launchpad. Don't beat them down like he was talking about earlier, but use it as a catalyst to reach your men, and you, you will be amazed to what happens. Ron, it was great to have you on today. We've ran Thanks, out of time and we've got to move. We've got to kind of close out our stuff. But I want to let everybody know that uh, you all are a great resource. And I always enjoy talking with you. We don't, we don't get a chance to talk much uh, these days. And and uh, maybe we can have you on again in the in the, in the coming days and weeks. And and sure. uh, we uh, we can talk about the situation of man and the culture yeah. today and how we can reach those. 
If you want to know more about Cape Fear Men who host these podcasts, you can reach out to us by going to capefearmen.net. And we'll tell you a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that we do and what we're into, and especially the Iron Sharpens Iron Conferences that are coming up in the fall. Uh, you can reach out to me personally at mike.sandlin at capefearmen.net, and I would be gladly be able to speak and talk to you some more. And it's, uh, it's a pleasure and honor to be with you guys, and, and thank you, Ron, again for being with us. So I hope you will join us next time on Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin. And I will tell you this. Ron and I's a good friend, Jeff Kasai, who went home to be with the Lord uh, a couple of years ago, used to say this blessing over us every time after he, as he would pray for us, he would say, I pray that God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you by. And we thank you for joining us on Intentional Conversations with Mike Sound. God bless, and we'll see you next time.